1: Welcome to the Jack and Joe Show. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin Taylor and Joe McCarthy, sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Jack and Joe Show with me, Jack Heskin Taylor.
1: Me, Joe McCarthy.
2: Today we are here with the famous Ted's Talks.
3: Hello, hello, lads. Are you doing you all right? Yeah. <laughs> great, Ted. How are you? Um, I woke up a bit late today, which <laughs> so yeah. I apologise firstly for doing this. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like it's a weird period in time, isn't it? Where like I don't know, I don't have to get up early, so I don't know what's going on.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, we understand. How how you? How things going in this uh, the current market? Any worries?
3: Uh, so oh, yeah dear. just for everyone listening covid nineteen pandemic outbreak up uh, ensuing apocalypse uh, i i'm I'm concerned about the level of high quality pasta in, in my cupboard which is which is probably the biggest worry i think um, no I think the most important thing right now is that i've i 'm fortunate enough and I'm, i guess blessed enough that i 've kept a cash reserve, so I can afford to sort of keep paying my bridges although we you know i have negotiated some payment holidays if I need them. Uh, tenants have been okay i think a lot of their jobs are like with animals or some of them or one of them is like a care home manager so they're generally okay i've got like four houses on the market to let which no humans are leaving the house so they're just sitting there you know paying interest on and then i've got a few in refurb and obviously the builders are like look ted there's one or two of us in each house we're following the rules as the government said we're happy to crack on and i said look that's your health i support whatever decision you want to make so if you need to stop then stop but you know it's up to you but as you know builders like now we're we're, we're working so things are i think the mentally it's quite difficult because you're kind of like oh this is totally new uh you know i've lived through a recession but i don't know how old i would have been like no 13 years ago i would have been very young i would have had no clue so yeah i mean the main worry i think is like what how do we come out of it and like you know what do we like like what will happen when we come out of it you know what are the end values going to be what are what's happening with the market i think that's the kind of worry but i'm not worrying about it because like it'll just destroy my mind
2: yeah yeah. Um, if possible, Ted, we'd, we'd love to sort of go into Ted's talks a bit more personally and go see to your background and, and, and where it all started. I think I may have heard your story before, um, but I'd love to show all of our listeners you know, where you come from and, and how you got started, really.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, so I went to university. I studied biochemistry at King's College London. So, you know, happy days. Everything was kind of going well. I still love science, don't get me wrong. I did that and then left, you know, studied abroad in America, great fun, came back, graduated, all good, got two one, blah, 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 Got a job in like so, pharmaceuticals, which took about 40 interviews to get, right? Like the job market then it, it, was yeah. crazy. Like, yeah, Very I can't well. imagine what it's like now. And then um, I had a job which was, you know, great company, great stuff. But what I noticed was like, I don't know if this is every job. I think it is most jobs, but like you're paid until 5pm, Yeah, 9 to 5. Everyone was in the office till six and I kind of said to my boss naively. So does this mean we get paid like for the extra hour? And he was like, oh, my boy. No. <laughs> and this is literally how he spoke. And I was like, Oh, but you leave at five every day, bro. Um, so that was my first like sort of kick when I was like, okay, why is everyone doing this? Cause they love their job or they love their?" I was like, nah, dead this. So I left there, got a pay rise, like a 40% pay rise, went to another place. The culture there was crap. I didn't like it. Um, And then I basically got fired. Uh, So I I then, you know, felt really liberated, which is very weird, right? Like you should, as a 23-year-old who spent 40 interviews to get a job, be like, oops, I've totally messed this up. Like, how am I going to get another job? What's my reference going to say? But I felt so liberated uh, and I stopped believing in pharmaceuticals because I'm unethical, et cetera. So I started up a really ethical business of recruitment. <laughs> so I did that for three and a half years with someone called it golden handcuffs. I was making money, but I really didn't enjoy it. So did that for a while, got really lonely, got, did the whole self-employed thing, being the accountant, the manager, the blah, blah, blah. I then got into property full time, which would have been about eight months ago maybe maybe nine Um, and the second I got into property full-time made a huge huge difference to my productivity and my output before that I spent you know probably six months getting to know people recording podcasts networking educating reading books pretending I was doing property when uh, who knows what I was actually doing Um, but that period of time allowed me to then have such a quick I guess, rocket ship type eight months.
2: How did the the podcast come about? What was the, you know, when did that get started? How did you feel starting that as well? Me and Joe struggle sometimes to be consistent with the podcast and make sure, you know, we're getting enough people on. You know, it it can be difficult trying to fit it in. have you found that? (laughs) Uh,
3: Good question. I think I always get asked, like, you know, is that like, how do you balance things? And I think the question is, I, I don't. I think like... I guess, I guess what I mean by that is like I don't have a strict. Okay, this is a percentage of my time for this. This is a percentage of my time for this. Yeah, if I'm true. on site visiting properties for three days, like in my investment area, then I'm not recording podcasts. I'm not doing much admin. I'm kind of like viewing stuff. I'm offering on it. I'm, I'm in the zone physically and mentally. But then yeah. in the week after, when I'm at home for five days, I'm doing lots of podcasting, lots of branding, lots of stuff. So for me, it it changes and varies with my like physical location and I guess my business location, you know, if I've got lots of things in conveyancing, I'm chasing investment, then that's what I'm doing that week or that day. So I think prioritizing it based on, and it sounds a bit sort of blunt, I guess, but prioritizing it on what is income generating, which isn't always the most fun. Like I'd much rather do podcast than you know, like have to talk about leasehold extensions and all this stuff as interesting as it is. I know what I'd rather be doing but I think you have to tell yourself look you have to do certain things in order to achieve certain things and you're not going to enjoy them all so just um, yeah prioritize really you know things that are low priority get done last.
1: Yeah definitely that makes big sense Um, so like given the kind of current climate with COVID-19 and everything um, everyone's kind of set at home is there any kind of day-to-day tasks that you're doing kind of more of right now than than you would have when you're out doing viewings and everything.
3: Uh, I guess because I've been adjusting to you know certain bridging lenders not loaning me, having to find thirty eight grand for a deal. You know, me thinking what's happening with the business, to having to be on the phone to mortgage companies for hours and no one picks up, try and get some holiday breaks, uh, mm-hmm. and to try kind of just put a little plan in place to just and mathematically work out right how many months do I have, you know, that I can survive, etc. Cetera, et cetera. It's kind of been that really for the past few days. But I think tasks that I'm probably going to do more of is more blog writing, uh, more more social media. I know people think I do a lot, but there'll be more of it. Uh, I'm, I'm bookkeeping once I can finish fighting with QuickBooks for not importing all my data. <laughs> uh, so I guess, yeah, admin tasks like the bookkeeping... To be honest, I don't think there's anything i'll probably do more zoom calls more like video calls with people and investors like but there's not much more that's going to increase i don't think i I guess we're having to be very responsive to like the news and financial news and things like that as well
2: yeah 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 but one thing i wanted to ask ted just i just just didn't ask it then um when when you set up the recruitment company but how how did you find that like i've set up businesses in the past as well and tried to do everything in the business and and sort of like been a bit of a busy idiot um as some people would say how did you find that did you make a lot of money did you really struggle did you learn a lot what how was it for you
3: i think did i make a lot of money i can't remember i think that i mean the <laughs> the, the, pro, the profit doubled every year for three years i could have made a quid the first year right so <laughs> it doesn't really mean much but i made enough to pay myself and like, you know, be, be comfortable and chilling. I live at home. So obviously there's different levels of chilling. Uh, I had enough that allowed me to, you know, buy my first one, two properties and still have a cash reserve. Uh, the most important thing for me is that it made me so thick skinned and so like resilient to rejection and kind of like solution focused, not problem focused that, you know, I'm so grateful for that element more so than the money. Um, I think setting it up was, you know, being a busy idiot. I've definitely done that. I wasn't even busy. I was just an idiot. Like I just (laughs) sat at my desk. And I don't know what I did for seven hours. Like it wasn't much, but then I was like, oh, there's no, there's no output from today. What have I done? So, and that's what happens when you work from home. You don't go out, you don't see enough people. You've just become a bit of a recluse. I think for me, the doing everything wasn't difficult in this instance because recruitment is so sorry to say it's so simple and transactional it can be like there was only you know the actual job was quite mechanical and it wasn't overly complex so because of that I had so much time to do all the other stuff anyway and again it was very I didn't have many outgoings I didn't have an office didn't have start didn't have this it was it was quite straightforward recruitment can be a really straightforward business you know to make quite a lot of money yeah okay okay interesting
1: can we kind of dive into um, your portfolio? Because you did, you did acquire quite a few properties in such a short period of time. And can you maybe t- tell the uh, listeners you know, what your strategy is and, and how you go about financing these deals?
3: Sure. So, yeah, I have purchased, I just bought one last week, 15 properties in about eight months. Uh, so I've built the portfolio from zero to 1.3 million in eight months. And it's, you know, the cash flow is about three, three and a half when it's all let and when it's all out of refurb. And I think firstly, I'd like to say that sounds really fantastic to everyone. And, you know, three and a half grand a month could retire a lot of people and you could go travel the world and do a Tim Ferriss and just wear baggy pants and be a hipster. Right. (laughs) But, you know, those eight months have been incredibly and they still are stressful. Uh, I think buying lots of properties at once is, is good fun and it's possible. And you know, why not? Like, why do it slowly if you can do it well fast, but it's very painful. Like mentally, physically, it will take its toll on you. You'll learn a lot of lessons and you'll make mistakes and you'll use the wrong people, the wrong builders, the wrong X, the wrong Y. So before I go into what my strategy is, my strategy is painful. Firstly, um, (laughs) And it, it doesn't have to be, you know what I mean? Like if, if you bought two houses every year, y- you have no stress. Like I promise you, you have, you have no stress. Like if you're doing it right. So I buy what people call boring vanilla foundational to So nice two, three bed family homes, probably similar to what, you know, you're looking at right now, What what you're doing. Now these homes are usually let by, you know, a professional couple, a family often I get single parents actually with with their kids in some of these houses I usually buy them for anywhere from 28 to 80 grand and they're always worth at least sort of 40 to 50 more than what I bought them for I leave in no money or I pull out some money or most of the time I probably leave in about three to five thousand pounds uh, and they will net about 300 a month. So over a year, I look for a 50% return on cash employed. So what that means is the money I've left in after a refinance using the buy, refurbished refinance model, how much money I make on that is my ROI. I mean, yield and stuff. I, I don't really look at because it doesn't matter to me what the purchase price is and what the rent is. It matters how much money am I leaving in? Like that's my investment. How much am I getting out? So, that's how I look at deals, and that's my strategy. And because they only make three hundred quid a month, you know, I have to, I have to buy lots of them really to make something significant.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah they're definitely safer than uh, say for like for the likes of uh, ourselves. Now we've a few rent-to-service accommodation units, and obviously the hospitality industry is really taking a hit right now, along with various other businesses. But I suppose the vanilla buy-to-lets they are a lot safer than than other strategies, aren't they?
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, of course there's still the potential that tenants are like, hey, we want a holiday break or we've lost our jobs, absolutely. <laughs> but ignoring this, you know, this COVID outbreak pandemic, generally speaking, I think Baitalets are the most passive and the most safe form of investment. They take ages to, you know, build up a significant cash flow and and, you know, they... You know, you got to think you got to buy one house just to get, you know, two fifty, three hundred quid a month. It's, it's painful when your mates getting a grand a month from an HMO, right? Mm-hmm. But I think for the long term and for the most passivity and hands off, like, and to survive, you know, situations where like rent to rents or service accommodations are not like full, I just don't like. You can't beat them, I don't think.
2: Mm, yeah, definitely, it's the. um, it's the simplest strategy but it's it's the it's the best isn't it it's definitely definitely something me and joe are going to try and build up mainly in our portfolio as we, as we do deals single lets you think um not that you can't go wrong but it's a lot easier especially when you're just starting out isn't it i, I understand HMOs and service accommodation we, we've done service accommodation but it's it's um it's so hands on it's um Mm. i don't know why we were sort of sold the dream and thought it was going to be you know dead passive and get the cleaners in they'll do this they'll change that you know handyman this but when you're just starting out you can't afford you want you know any profit that you're getting in you want to sort of try and try and save as much as possible and trying to trying to get as much money out of your deals but single lets you know if you can get between 200 and 300 pound net a month how many have you got now did you say and what's the rent
3: roll so there's 15 in total, but three are flipped. So I've got 12 by to let. The rent is f- different for every house, but it's between 450 to 650. Yeah. So the rent roll is when they're all let. i out of refurb, but probably looking at, uh, probably about 50 to 60 grand. Um, but that's that's irrelevant. That's like turnover. The profit yeah. will be three point three thousand three hundred to three thousand five hundred a month. So over the year, we're looking at 37-ish grand kind of profit before tax.
2: Yeah. What was the reason behind doing the flips as well as doing the, the buy refurbish refinance?
3: Sure. So uh, as I said before, I leave in five grand on most houses. Now, yeah. where the hell am I getting this five grand from? Which is, yeah. which is a common question, right? It's like, if I don't have a no money left in deal, who pays the money left in? There's a few ways, you know, such as saying to your investor from the start, look, we're going to leave in this much. I'll pay you off with the rent or we're going to leave in this much. Are you happy to leave it in as like a little investment? And then, you know, we'll, we'll sort of, you know, I'll pay you back on it or something like that. Uh, so that's one of the ways. But the way I do it is. I, I flip properties, not for my own profit because, Hey, that would be great. Um, you know, I could afford to buy some new clothes, but I do it purely to generate cash, to cover these holes, these gaps where there's money left in. So you loan me 40 grand and I've done a deal, blah, 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 buy refurbish refinance. And I've pulled out 35, I owe you you know, five grand plus your interest. I'll flip a property for 10, 15, 20 grand profit. And then with that cash you know, from the flip, it goes straight into your pocket and it it covers the gap essentially. So for me, that's why I flip. I also, I mean, that's the main reason, uh, you know, if if that didn't exist, I would flip just to kind of get some nice chunky cash. And also I do love refurbs and interior design. So if I can spend more money on that and make it even higher end, I'm going to do that.
2: Yeah. Okay. So the flip sort of, they sort of go hand in hand with the buy refurbish your finance and you have to leave money in.
3: Yeah, they, they support it basically through leaving the money in, yeah.
2: I just want to talk about some more like other stuff that you do outside of your property investing. So it seems like you spend a lot of time on, on your branding. Um, did, did you have some sort of experience behind that or was that just just doing your own sort of thing and just learning as, as you went?
3: Good question. People always ask me this and I always struggle to answer because I I kind of think like, hmm like what you know like where did i learn this and i think being in recruitment where 90 percent of recruiters say the same crap hi i'm looking for this person hi i've just come back from a great meeting i'm looking for a developer like it's so crap and boring i just thought yeah let me write something a little bit different like let's just put some personality in it, put some sauce in it mm-hmm. and so i did that in recruitment and i kept you know sort of uh like just doing this and it worked well it got me business it made me stand out and I thought this is interesting not really knowing it was like a brand although I did love creating a logo and creating designs and stuff did then recruitment for a while and then in property I I honestly don't know like I don't remember reading a book or reading a blog or watching a video and being like right time to start a brand I I don't know what There, there would have been something or someone who just kind of lit that fire underneath me but it wasn't strong enough that I remember it. So I think it just came from recruitment, basically, and just watching peep, people be bad and just say, let's do something different. And then just learning and discovering different tools and then just realizing that, Hey, this is, this is something that we should all have.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Nice. So the, the TED talk brand, I, I, I love the brand and it's, it's obviously stands out. It's very noticeable as well. And the yellow t-shirt as well. Um, I think <laughs> when did we first? I think we. Oh yeah, we we met you when we come down. We had Nando's, didn't we? We went to PPN Nightbridge. <laughs> how, how did yeah.
3: PPN Nightbridge come about? How did How did that start? So I I go to a few. Well, I go to a few networking events now. I'm a bit lazier, but I did, and I really liked this this like PPN hosted by Pippa back like back then, because yeah. uh, it was I don't know. I just I, it was just it was just different. It was a bit like fancier which I quite liked, even though I'm I'm not fancy with my like trainers and my t shirt on. Uh it was the vibe was different. There was no sales, there was no upselling. It was just like a, a networking event. And then I messaged her once or twice, like, Hey I really love your event. The vibe was really good. Thanks for having me. And I think a few months later she messaged me saying, Hey Ted, you know, you've got a great brand. I've got this event. You know, do you wanna do you wanna just like do it together? And I was like, Yeah, why not? And so <laughs> it was as simple as that now. So me and Pippa co host it every second Tuesday of the month.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to come down more, wouldn't we Joe? How many times have we go twice? Mm. Twice. It. Yeah. It's just that you've got to stay for the network you? So yourself, we come down, we have to stay over. We don't want to be rush off at nine o'clock to get the last train back. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, exactly. You know, we appreciate you coming from so far. We have, we do have a few people who come from like up North quite far and it's like, wow, that says yeah. a lot to us, right. About how, how much they enjoy it, I guess.
2: Yeah definitely.
1: yeah
2: definitely okay okay great that's been that's been great ted i think what, what we'd like to do is do a second episode and sort of deep dive into the buy refurbish refinance and, and your flips and stuff and maybe go into some more details Um but we'll probably wrap this one up there but uh, well, thanks very much for, for going into your journey and um look forward to speaking again yeah cheers Ted. amazing thanks for having me see ya bye,
1: bye. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin-Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness.